They can't get the casters to roll, and the thing's too heavy for them to pick it up. Flames lick the exposed rafters only nine or ten feet above our heads, and sparks shower down on us, stinging my bare arms. One of the pews in the middle of the room is burning like a solitary bonfire, although the most intense heat radiates from the corner. Smoke chokes me. The skin on my face feels tight and hot, and my eyes are streaming as I look around for something else to save. Adrenaline pumping, I scoop up a stack of paperback hymn books. Some old-fashioned hand fans are heaped together at the end of one pew, and I pile as many as I can on top of the hymnals in the pulpit Bible, then stumble towards the door and out into the humid night air as a burning rafter crashes somewhere behind me. Daddy breaks free of restraining hands and grabs for some of the fans that are sliding out of my control. Don't you never do nothing like that again as long as you live he says angrily, as I cough and cough and try to clear my lungs. His hand is rough as he brushes at my hair where sparks have singed it. You hear me, girl? I'm talking to you. I'm okay, I gasp between coughs. Honest. But then I look back at the burning structure, and like Lot's wife, I am struck dumb and motionless. More people have arrived, and their headlights light up the front of this makeshift church. For the first time, I see the swastika and some large, dark letters, KKK and niggers, small g's, and the capital I is dotted. The tin roof gives way with sharp cracks as metal sheets twist in the heat. Flames shoot heavenwards, and my silent, involuntary prayer follows them. Oh, God, not A.K. It's the second time in four days that my nephews had me begging God's mercy. Chapter 2 On the Sign in Front of Faith, Free Will, Baptist Church when things go wrong, don't go with them. Four days ago, I was in Newburn, in Kid Chapin's bed. Kid's a tall, skinny game warden from down east. He's my reminder that there's more to life than courtrooms and campaigns. He's also the main reason I'm finally building my own house out in the country and why I came to wake up that hot Sunday morning to feel him nibbling at my ear. I thought you said you bought bagels for breakfast, I murmured sleepily. I did, but then I saw this tasty little ear just laying here. His unshaven cheek brushed mine as he kissed my neck, then moved on to my shoulder and from there to my breasts. Air conditioning had us snuggled under a heavy comforter, but flames began to kindle along the length of my body, and small brush fires erupted wherever his hands and mouth touched. I turned in his arms and stoked the flames that were building in his own body while the fire between us grew and raged and blazed white-hot 
until we were consumed by wave after fiery wave and came together in a blazing conflagration that left us lying naked on top of the comforter, breathing in cool drafts of frigid air. His long, thin fingers traced the features of my face. I miss you. Me too, you, I said inanely as our lips met again. It had been way too long. Things keep coming up. His job, my family, his teenage daughter, my political commitments. Judges do a lot of after-dinner speeches. A dozen different obstacles had kept us apart since the middle of May, but this late June weekend was ours. I'd driven down to Newburn Friday night and got to his cabin perched above the Noose River while it was still light enough to see small boats heading upriver after a day of fishing in the Pamlico Sound. We'd spent most of yesterday in bed, making up for lost time, and though today was Sunday, church wasn't on our docket. He pulled the comforter back over us, and we lay twined together in post-coital laziness. The whole day stretched before us. Later, we would shower, make coffee, have honeydews and toasted bagels on the deck. But not now. Now was the afterglow of tenderness and sweet intimacy. And then the damn phone rang. Kid sighed, took his hand from my breast, and reached for the receiver. I lay quietly against his chest, almost certain that it would be Amber, Kid's fifteen-year-old daughter. She must be slipping. Normally, her radar lets her catch us in the middle of making love, not at the end. From Kid's casual grumbling, I know that she usually goes five or six days in a row without calling. Unless I'm in town. He's always so happy to hear her voice that he doesn't seem to notice how her calls pick up when I'm down, and I'm too smart to point out this recurring coincidence. But this time he wasn't speaking in his indulgent father tones. Just fine. I heard him say with country politeness. And you? That's good. Yes, she's right here. He handed me the phone. Your brother, Andrew. Sounds serious. My heart turned stone cold and a silent prayer went up. Dear God, no. Andrew's nine brothers up from me. He hates any show of emotion, and while he did plenty of catting around in his own day, he's like the rest of the boys in wishing I'd quit mine and settle down. Even so, despite his relatively recent respectability, he'd never take it upon himself to confront me head-on about my love life. I could think of only one reason why he'd call me here. Please, not, Daddy. Not yet. What's wrong, Andrew? Is it Daddy? Daddy? My brother's voice came gruffly over the line. Nah, Daddy's fine. It's A.K. He's really stepped in it bad this time, Deborah. A.K. is Andrew's oldest child by his third wife. 
He's 17 now and will be a senior in high school this fall if Andrew and April can keep him from quitting. Unlike his sister Ruth, A.K.'s not much for the books. Too near like Andrew used to be, from all I've heard. What's he done now? I asked apprehensively. I've been on the bench long enough to see some of the messes a 17-year-old can step in, and A.K.'s already dirtied his feet a time or two. I swear I feel like taking my belt to his backside. He knows better than this. His paternal exasperation couldn't mask the worry coming to me through the line. What did he do? I asked him again. You know old Ham Crocker? I said I did, even though Abraham Crocker must have died around the time I was born. Well, A.K. and a couple of his buddies sort of busted up his graveyard Friday night. What? They got hold of some beer, and I reckon they got drunk enough to think it was funny to knock over the angel, you know, the one on Ham's mama's grave, and then Charles or Raymond, one had a can of spray paint. A.K. swears he didn't do no writing, but he's charged, same as the others. Charged? Yeah. Bo Poole sent a deputy out to bring him in this morning, and me and April don't know what to do. John Claude's gone off to Turkey. He made it sound as if Turkey was the dark side of the moon and an outlandish place for a Colleton County attorney to visit under any circumstances. Did you call Reed? I asked, since Reed Stevenson is John Claude Lee's younger partner. I thought maybe you could come and take care of this, he countered. Though no kin to the sons of my father's first marriage, 